Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. It's time to talk all things Dirty Birds. It's Falcons Flyover. John Chuckery on Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. Back in the key studios on Sports Radio 92.9 at The Game. Chuckery Show hanging out on this Tuesday evening with you. Uh, Braves are, uh, looks like their tarp is off the field in that little bit of a blurry corner section of the TV that, uh, that I can see. So hopefully they will get things cranked up and going here shortly. This course tonight, look at all things Atlanta Falcons. It is the Falcons flyover. So we kind of teased this earlier in the, sh- in the last segment, where Pro Football Focus ranked their top offensive lines in the NFL. So when you look at the top offensive lines in the league, huh, Philadelphia, number one, huh, how about that? Uh, Cleveland, number two, huh, Kansas City, number three. I wonder where they ended up uh, last year. Uh, they're number three. Baltimore's number four. The Lions are number five. The Dallas Cowboys, six. And the Atlanta Falcons come in at number seven on this list. Not Atlanta's, bad. Yeah, I mean they've they played as a top offensive line, especially in the run game. They were they were a top often top five offensive line in the NFL, and I think they finished I think they finished like sixth at the end of last season. So, quote Atlanta's offensive line benefits hugely from the most run heavy offense in football, but since that's not going anywhere. Uh, they belong at the sharp edge of the rankings. Rookie Matthew Bergeron has a chance to upgrade to the uh, biggest problem spot on the line last season. None of the three players who played significant snaps at left guard had a pro football focus grade of 75.2. Uh, they say the best player is Chris Lindstrom. Guard Chris Lindstrom was the best guarded, best graded run blocker in the NFL this season at any position he allowed just nine pressures and finished with a 93.1 pro football focus run blocking grade. So we know how good Chris Lindstrom is, but this is a chance, obviously, you know, as well to, you know, to see what a Bergeron can do, to see if Kayla McGarry is just not a fluke player. And I, I really hope, I mean, look, I, I really hope that when all is said and done, that McGarry doesn't, you know, prove us wrong in all of this. Like, he doesn't prove us wrong in, you know, how good his ability is or that he's taking that next leap. I mean, we need him to to be good, right? I mean, it's not really a mystery, but we need him to be able to anchor down that offensive line and continue to grow. And I, I do think that because, look, I do think that because they um, are such a run-heavy team and a run-first team that they will – 
they will continue to play pretty well, right? I, I don't I don't think that that is I don't think that's would surprise anybody if they come back with another really good season. So we'll see what uh, what happens uh, in uh, all of uh, that. Um, I'm trying to see here if I had uh, what I, what this other story was about Drake London on uh, on Good Morning uh, Football. Um, Drake London was on Good Morning Football earlier today, uh, having some comments. Obviously, as mandatory minis have gotten underway, so officially mandatory mini camp, uh, and you can be fined for this, by the way, for missing mandatory mini camp. This is one of those things that's not voluntary, like OTAs. This everybody's expected to be here. Now, I think the only three guys that were not there, Pitts was not there. Um, I forget the other guys now. Now I forget the now I forget the other two players that were not there. But there were only like three or four players that were not there, and obviously people that were dealing with injuries. Uh, Drake Lennon on Good Morning Football saying earlier today, "quote I think I have to take the next step. I lead by example, and the next step is being more vocal." I got my feet wet uh, this season. I think I have a grasp of what's going on, and I think I can take it to the next level. Well, I mean, again, we talked about last night that he's on Pro Football Focus's all-breakout team. And, you know, again, they they really like London, right? They, they really like what Drake London brings to this ball club. Um, obviously, 72 receptions, uh, 31 of his 72 catches came in both December and January, including 25 from quarterback Desmond Ritter, who's expected to be the team's starter going into um, this upcoming season. So, uh, look, it's it's situation where, you know, London maybe doesn't have the traditional running mate, right? I mean, he doesn't necessarily have the, the traditional running mate to go along with him. You know, the way that Roddy and Julio were a duo, you know, I mean, we've seen all these good wide receiver duos, but... He may not have the traditional running mate when all is said and done, but, you know, with Jonu Smith, with Kyle Pitts, with B. John Robinson, you know, they they look like a group that can do a lot of different things, right? They, they, they look like a group of, you know, group of, of players that can all complement him. So we'll see what happens, but certainly London, a guy that um, they have high expectations for and obviously – you know, can he be that thousand-yard receiver now, coming into uh, coming into his second year uh, in the league? So, Bleacher Report has an article up where they talk about the NFL's most cost-efficient backfields as the running back conti- continues, the running back position continues to lose value. The NFL's most cost-efficient running backs or backfields, I should say as running back position continues to lose its value. So they've got the Broncos at 10. They've got the Lions at 9. They've got the Patriots at 8. Um, they got the Jets, then the Eagles, the Dolphins, the Jaguars come in at number 4. Kansas City Chiefs come in at number 3. Seattle Seahawks come in at number 2. And coming in at number 1 on this list is the Atlanta Falcons. So they look at the salary. So Cordero Patterson is a guy that's making $5.5 million. B. John Robinson is going to make $4 million. Tyler Algier makes a million. And Caleb Huntley makes $870,000. Here's what their write-up says uh, in all this. Quote, led by runner-receiver Cordero Patterson, 2022 fifth-round pick Tyler Algier 
and 2021 undrafted free agent Caleb Huntley, the Atlanta Falcons had one of the league's most versatile and productive backfields last season. Falcons finished the year ranked third in rushing yards and fourth in yards per carry. All three of Atlanta's top backs averaged 4.8 yards per rush or more. Instead of simply stacking with what was sorry, instead of simply sticking with what worked last year, Atlanta used the eighth overall pick on standout Texas running back Bijan Robinson. And then they talk about Robinson's stats and, and this, then the other. Uh, Todd McShay talking about um, Bijan. Quote: I thought Saquon Barkley was sensational coming out of Penn State. I'll make this argument. I think Bijan Robinson is more talented coming out uh, of Texas. So they go on to talk a little bit about the Bijan Robinson, but um, this last line here, this last paragraph, I guess I should say, really kind of ruined a sentence. But, quote, the Falcons don't have the cheapest backfield on this list, but given the versatility and talent in their running back room, they top our list of cost-efficient running backs. And look, yes, they're making the argument that they had a really productive backfield, but at a really reduced cost. And I, and I don't disagree necessarily with that. But if these guys continue to, to play wall and grow, I mean, if B. John Robinson becomes the player that we think that he's going to become, you know, it's not going to be but a few years, and he's going to cost a whole pile of money. He's going to cost a, a whole boatload of money to, you know, to be the running back for the Atlanta Falcons. And then you have to decide about what's going to happen. That's years in the future, you know, to all of this. But certainly that there is a lot of talent there. Certainly probably in some ways maybe overachieved. You know, I know Steve Weish was was big on Tyler Algier coming into this past season, but I don't think that any of us could have thought that he was a thousand yard running back in this league. Like I I don't think that we looked at him as like, oh, okay, he's he's a guy that's gonna come in. And, and I think B. John Robinson is a guy that we look at and say, Oh, well, you know, he's gonna be a thousand yard running back in this league right away. We didn't have that sense about Tyler Algier. He was a productive player. He was really good in, in yards after carry, or sorry, after contact. You know, he was really good in some of those metrics. But, you know, again, we didn't know what he was going to be. And certainly in seven starts, when you look at the fact that he only had seven starts and he was still a 1,000-yard running back, pretty remarkable. You know, normally if you think about a 1,000-yard running back, even in, even in a 17-game NFL season, you would think that the guy would have more than seven starts. But he only had the seven and obviously made the most of it. He averaged 4.9 yards per carry. That's an outstanding total. If I could have every running back on my roster average 4.9 yards per carry, I'd, I'd probably lead the league in rushing two times over. I'd have multiple 1,000-yard rushers on this team. So the fact that they have the really good offensive line, they have what Pro Football Focus looks like is the seventh-best offensive line coming into the regular season and certainly a backfield that isn't, you know, costing a whole ton of money. Bijan Robinson is a little bit high because of the, you know, the fact that he's a the eighth overall draft pick. It was a pretty good contract. I think it was $44 million guaranteed overall or something like that. I mean, whatever, whatever the number was. No, sorry. No, sorry. $23.5 million. I think it was $23.5 million for, for four years. But whatever, whatever it was, um, you know, again, as the eighth overall pick and a high-profile player, I mean, it just it kind of is what it is in, in that kind of spot. But 
you certainly think that this could be one of the more productive units for this team. And, and it probably has to be maybe quarterback, you know, has to be the best, you know, most productive area. But, you know, maybe running back is the maybe running back is the area that the positional group on offense that is going to, you know, outproduce anybody. I mean, maybe that that's, you know, the group that really has room to grow and can end up being really good in all of this. But certainly with Robinson, Algier, Patterson and, you know, uh, t- uh, Caleb Huntley, um, you know, you feel like you have a, a good group of guys that are that are on uh, this list. And again, it will be interesting to see what Patterson does. I think that they use him more kind of in the receiver role. You know, we talked to Tory McElhaney last night. I don't think that he's going to use as much in the in the special teams as far as punt return goes. But it will be interesting to see if they use him in, as kind of a wide receiver more than what they have more than just a traditional running back where, you know, again, he was, you know, their best running back a couple of years ago before Algier and even, you know, a Caleb Huntley stepped up. And obviously now you've got a Bijan Robinson. I know they're playing positionless football. I know that that's what they're going to do. But at the same time, you know, if, if you, you know, if you line up behind Key Smith in that, in that I formation, how many, how many of those kinds of runs at Cordell Patterson is going to get this upcoming season. I think it's going to be more kind of at that slot wide receiver position. And maybe that's where his best use is. I don't know. I mean, again, that's the the beauty of Arthur Smith's offense is that we think that these guys could line up all over the field. And and they kind of said as much. That was kind of one of the selling points. And they can line up all over the field and do all of the different things that they do. So we'll see what happens uh, with it all. But um, certainly um, all good news. And again, Mandatory minicamp starts today and it'll last through this uh, this week. And, uh, you know, we'll see probably see some video and things like that of what the Falcons looking like out there. The media gets kind of just a few minutes uh, in, in their session. And then we enter into that period where it's the head coach of NFL team's biggest concern area where, you know, they get this time off right before they get to training camp, right? That's the scariest part for NFL coaches is that dead period – right before they get to training camp. Because really, there's nothing that's going on. Uh, there's no workouts. There's no, you know, draft or free agency or just really it's kind of a dead period, right? For I mean, if there is a dead period in the NFL, it's going to be after this mandatory mini camp before we get into training camp. And, of course, we'll have training camp coverage for you, you know, all, uh, all fall long as um, – we get toward the end of July, and uh, that would be cranking up. And believe it or not, we're actually in mid-June uh, already. So we're we're just about there in, in mid-June. So it will not be very far away when we get into training camp and all of the coverage. And obviously, we'll have folks out there all day long. I think the, the what, what is it, the morning shaft, they'll probably be out there. Yeah, I'm um, pretty sure and, it'll be Andy everybody. And, yeah. Andy and Randy and Dukes and Bell and everybody else, they'll, yeah. they'll, all, be, they'll all be out there uh, for training camp. So... Uh, or actually, I, I guess Dukes and Bell will be at the Hooters at the Mall of Georgia, right? That's where they were last year. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that they'll, yeah, be, at the, they'll be at the Hooters out because there. Because so. everything will be wrapping up, so it kind of wouldn't make sense yeah, them, yeah. for them to be out there. Yeah, yeah. How's yeah. come that theory wasn't applied when Andy and, when uh, Randy and I were out there at training camp? When, when we were out there till like, 5 o'clock in the afternoon <laughs> on a Saturday and there was nobody left? <laughs> like, I'm, I, I, I don't know that... I don't know that any human being has spent more time 
at the Falcons facility when nobody else was there besides me. We used to do that on the weekends with the radio show when there would be nobody left. I did it on draft night. Like nobody has spent more time in Flowery Branch when nobody else was there. They Flowery Branch people like it when it's you there late. Is that they, what it is? That's what it is. They know yeah, I, I mean, again, we I, I've I, I I could have for years now could have had my pick of what I wanted to do in that place. <laughs> I could have run around streaking right. in the middle of that. And, and that's facility. what it is. They know you're the one that they can trust. Think about it. Randy would be out there. Him and Andy would be out there just doing God knows what. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> anyway, well, again, we um, we enjoy being in our closet uh, that's up there. So, anyway, um, we're going to do a What's Bugging Chuckery because we've got uh, Josh Dover joining us at 845 here this evening. So, um, let's slow down on all this immortal talk. I'll explain next. Chuck, we're in the Key Studios. Sports Radio and 92 on the game, the Odyssey.com app. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Sports Radio 92.9 The Game, back at a Chuckery show, hanging out in the Key Studios with you on this Tuesday evening. 404-741-0929. That is our Solomon Brothers Diamond text line to be a part of this show. Odyssey app, so you catch us on the go. Social media at 92.9 The Game, at JMCH316, at the D. Lewis for real. We will um, talk to Josh Dover coming up at about 845 
here. We'll spend a few minutes with him. He is the uh, midday host on 92.5, the altitude in uh, Denver, and he's also the in-game host for the uh, radio broadcast of the uh, Nuggets. So we'll talk to him as um, Denver obviously won the NBA title last night. It looks like um, it's going to be about 845 when this Braves game gets underway. So it looks like the tarp is off the field. I got a real fuzzy picture up here, but it looks like the tarp, excuse me, is yeah, off the off. field. Okay. Yeah, it's off. Yeah. So, I mean, I can I can barely see from as far away as I'm sitting, and it's a fuzzy picture, and it's so small, like my eyes can't focus for the life of me. I can't even follow along with what's happening in this replay of a game um, against, I think it's the Marlins or somebody like that, but – uh, but it looks like 8.45 is going to be start time for the Braves. So Spencer Strider scheduled a pitch um, here tonight. Uh, thankfully, they stopped this game before anybody got warmed up or, you know, obviously got into the game and kind of wasted uh, a start. Uh, so it will be Spencer Strider in the game tonight. And um, um, who's the Tigers uh, pitcher? Um, Reese Olsen. He's a and o He's, let's see here, pitched two games, had one start. He's got 10 innings and three earned runs and nine strikeouts in, in the 10 innings and two walks uh, to it. So, again, he'll be hooked up with Spencer Strider. We called this earlier. Strider's going to get six innings and 13 strikeouts tonight. That, that's, that's the bet on everything. So, we, we, we're going to be monitoring the situation when Strider gets up there. So, I say 13 Ks and six innings for Strider tonight. He has that bounce-back game. It's like Morton did last night, right? Charlie Morton had a nice bounce-back game. Morton was a guy that had been struggling here over his last four starts, and then he came out five and two-thirds, no runs, eight strikeouts, almost half his outs were via no contact. Um, so eight of his eight of his 17 outs came through strikeouts. So he had a, a really good performance last night. Uh, walked maybe a, a couple of few guys, you know, maybe maybe a little bit too many walks, but um, didn't register very many hits. I think it was four hits and no runs, um, 107 pitches, I think it was. So uh, that was an outing that Morton really needed and a bounce-back effort. And we thought that would happen last night. Like, we kind of called the idea that that was going to be the bounce-back effort that Charlie Morton was going to have. Now let's see that Spencer Strider has that same kind of outing tonight. As his last outing was not very good against the Mets, right? I mean, that was uh, – that was one of those crazy games where he and Max Scherzer, you would have thought that, okay, this is going to be the ultimate pitcher's duel, and neither guy pitched well at all. And neither guy was was very good. And certainly uh, Max Scherzer was not very good. Strider was, what, eight runs or something like that that he had, uh, he had given up, but um, uh, not very good in his last start. So we'll see if Strider can improve on all of that as the Braves and Tigers look to get underway at about um, you know about eight forty-five here, so we'll see what happens with all of that. All right, we're going to do a little bit of an early what's bugging Chuckery since we are uh, going to talk to Josh Dover here. So let's get to what's bugging Chuckery. Don't look now, but somebody out there just got Chuckery ticked off. <laughs> like that's hard. Don't make me angry. You wouldn't like me when I'm angry. It's time for what's bugging Chuckery on Sports Radio ninety-two nine. So, look, I know Joker had a monster series, no doubt about it, that he had he had a, a great finals and was the finals MVP. And, you know, Day-Day and I have talked about the idea of 
you know, he's maybe the best player in the NBA. I think he's the most unguardable player right now in the NBA. He's on a great run, no doubt about it. I mean, not taking anything away from him. Um, Isaiah Thomas, former Detroit Pistons star, and I love Isaiah Thomas. I'm, I'm a big Isaiah Thomas fan. I, I still don't think that Isaiah Thomas gets the kind of love that he deserved because he played in the era with Jordan and Magic Johnson and Larry Bird and some of those guys. He played with some of the best players, you know, played against, I should say, some of the best players in the history of the NBA, multiples of guys that were the best in the NBA history, right? Magic and and Bird and Michael Jordan and, you know, Dominique Wilkins and guys on and on and on and on and on. That was the competition level in there. So I I love Isaiah Thomas, and I think that, that he's one of the greats of all time. But... Okay, um, so here's what Detroit Pistons star had to say about the Joker and winning the MVP finals and all this good kind of stuff. Quote, it puts him in the legendary category for what he's done statistically in the finals. I don't know if there's anyone who's ever had a statistical run in the NBA finals as a center as he's had in these categories. Okay, so here's the problem. Um, when we start using words like legendary and things like that, okay, we start getting a little bit over the top, right? I mean, it, it was an amazing run, but and and again, and I and I like the phrasing that he did, and I think that this is important to understand the phrasing. "Quote: It puts him in the legendary category for what he's done statistically in the finals." And I think that's the key word in all of this. Again, do I think Joker's one of the great players in the NBA? Yes. Do I think he's maybe the best offensive player in the NBA? Yes. I'll I'll throw all the bouquets in the world at him. But it's not like, again, he's banging on Russell and Chamberlain. It's not like he's banging on Artis Gilmore and and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and guys like that. It's not like he's even banging on David Robinson, Shaquille O'Neal, and guys like that. You know, again, who's Miami center? Who's their? I don't, I don't even know who, who their center is. Bam Adebayo. Bam Adebayo. Okay, he's a nice player. Bam Adebayo's got no shot against uh, against um, you know uh, Joker. Let's see what Bill Russell could do against him. You know, again, if you if you're not playing against the competition that lends itself, because again, the the. Bam Adebayo had a dreadful playoff series, right? I mean, he had he had pretty much a dreadful playoff run. He had some moments, but by and large, his playoff run was not very good. And again, he's not a first-team all-defensive player. He's a good player, definitely, no doubt about it. But it ain't it ain't Russell, Chamberlain, Shaq, Kareem, you know, David Robinson, you know, Hakeem Olajuwon. You know, it's not exactly the salad days for centers in the NBA, right? But I, I, I don't disagree necessarily with, with what the way Isaiah Thomas framed it, and, and I think he was trying to. I, I don't even think that I don't even think that Isaiah realized kind of what he said in in all of it because, again, statistically he had a monster finals, okay, but. I think the level of competition wasn't there. Um, 
nobody on Miami was going to be able to guard Joker. That's why the series didn't last very long is because, you know, he was just too much for, for them. And that's why a lot of teams just can't match up with, with Joker. But again, it's not exactly the salad days of NBA center play. Now, if he, it, when we start using words like legendary and things like that, I don't think winning one NBA Finals because, again, what's been the reputation of Joker going into, you know, this NBA playoff series or, or going into these NBA playoffs as a whole? That he was one of the guys who had the most to prove, right? Because he'd been a two-time MVP. He's been a multi-time, um, he's been a multiple-time um, first team all NBA player, right? With the MVPs and everything like that. It was a lot of pressure on him to finally deliver. A lot of pressure on him to finally be, you know, that player that that breaks through and gets his title. And again, not taking anything away from him, but again, it's it's a different era. And when we start using words like legendary and things like that, you know, again, I, I know it's hyperbole, and I know we get into these conversations, right? Is Joker the best center of all time? I mean, that I, I promise you that that article is some is on somebody's desk. Like, that article is on somebody's desk for a peer review, right? Like an editor or something like that of a newspaper. That article is on somebody's desk. Is Joker the best center of all time? Not even, not even kind of looking at the level of center play over generations, right? You know, again, starting the seventies, and you know, the Al Cinders and the Elvin Hayes and the you know Moses Malones, and I mean, again, it's not exactly the salad days of center play in the NBA. And I'm not taking anything away from, again, I'm not taking anything away from from uh, Joker. He's a great, great player. He deserves everything that he's gotten, the MVPs and everything along with it. But when we start using words like legendary, let's wait a little bit. Can, can, we, can we ever just let things breathe just a little bit? Can we ever get to the point where we just let some things breathe and exhale and just step back and just take a breath, not dive right into, oh, it's a legendary, he's, he's a legend, legendary, you know. Okay, I get it. I get it. He had a really good run in the NBA playoffs. I mean, some people would say it's about time. Some people would say it's about time that the Denver Nuggets finally got to an NBA Finals and all this stuff and maybe won a title and all that kind of stuff because, you know, you can't tell me that he's been the best player on earth for a few years now and then he's been, you know what, uh, not even an NBA Finals team when it's all said and done. So, again, um, I, I, I understand maybe what Isaiah Thomas was going to say or what he was saying, but in some ways he probably didn't even know what he was saying when he started spouting off about uh, all of this stuff, and that's what's bugging Chuckery. So it looks like the tarp is back on the field. And now look how dark yeah. it is out there at the stadium. Yeah, it's back on, and they took the start time off. Okay. So. Yeah, so this thing doesn't look like it's going to get started anytime soon. Yeah. So this thing may end up being a washout when all is uh, said and done. You know that that's that this may this may end up being a washout when all said and done. I'm trying to just see if there was a quick update um, from the Braves or not. But uh, this thing this thing looks like it, it could end up getting washed. And um, uh, they've got the tarp back on the field, and it's I mean it's it, it's almost like it's 10 o'clock at night out there. Doesn't it look kind of weird? I mean, like it went from daylight to like 
dark. Like, there was no in-between, like, no dusk or anything like that. Yeah, just, and Detroit's, what, an hour behind us? So they should still Are they have... an hour behind us? Aren't they, aren't they East Coast are they, time? Are they East Coast? Yeah, I think they're East Coast time. Because they wouldn't have been starting that game at 6 o'clock. Their no, time. Yeah, that yeah. wouldn't have been a 6 o'clock their time start, like a 6.05 start. That's true. It would have been, it would have been 7, yeah, 7.05 Yeah, so maybe start. they're the same time as us. Yeah, okay. I think they are the same time as us. So um, You're just getting confused with Canada. So. <laughs> <laughs> anyway... Uh, we'll talk to Josh Dover coming up here in just a few minutes. Chuck, we're in the Kia Studios, Sports Radio 929 The Game, the Odyssey.com app. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medella is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste because you know the bigger the fight better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Sports Radio, 92.9, the game. Back at a Chuck show. Hanging out at the Key Studios on Tuesday night. Uh, Braves continue to stay in this rain out, and it just keeps getting darker over there. I mean, you know, if you look outside here, it's, you know, fairly light out. I mean, it's, you know, kind of getting to dusk. It it went from daylight to just dark. I mean, that's that's literally what it did. It just It's dark and gloomy up there. Um, they got the tarp on the field. There's no official start time. I'm trying to just even get a feel for what the updates are. I'm not. I've not even seen anything from the Braves. Yeah, um, they haven't tw- uh, tweeted I mean, anything out in a while. Justin Toscano tweeted out that the tarp is back on the field. This game, which had already been delayed uh, two hours, won't even start at 8:45. So I don't even see. Uh, why not just call the game? Like why, why don't they just call it? Why don't they just you know just because again, what time are they? Um, what what is tomorrow? Wednesday? I'm, yeah. I'm assuming that they play tomorrow night. Why not just either play a doubleheader, day night doubleheader, or something like that, and just get everybody out of there? Like why why continue to just drag this this thing out? But you know we'll we'll keep up to date and see if there's an actual time when um, when they can start. But uh, certainly doesn't look like they're going to start. Um, anytime soon, and it's really not, uh, you know, not looking too promising uh, right now. We'll talk to Josh Dover coming up here in just a few minutes. He is the um, midday host for 92.5 The Altitude, and um, he's also the in-game host for the uh, uh, Denver Nuggets, and uh, obviously Denver winning the NBA title last night uh, with a with a great victory. Um, 
You know, I'm watching the 30 for 30 Bill Walton documentary. It is kind of funny to see what, you know, and I, I've obviously seen this stuff before, but it is funny just to kind of see what basketball from the 1970s looks like. You know, first off, there's no three-point shot. That's the number one thing. No three-point shot. You got guys going to the basket and dunking, you know, to the basket and all kinds of stuff and shooting mid-range jumpers and all this kind of thing. The game just looks totally different from from the way the game is now. The game is all about standing behind the three-point line and hucking it up and, you know, then you occasionally get some points inside or whatever like that. But it's just a totally different-looking game than than what you see in, in modern times, and especially with the three-point line not being around. Like, it's there's some fundamentals and stuff like that that's involved, and, you know, guys are dribbling and passing and all these different kinds of things along with it. So it's just kind of funny to watch watch 1970s era basketball. And remember, you know, and we've talked about this on the show, that in the late 70s, the NBA Finals were tape delayed. It wasn't like ESPN was around and, and you had, you know, 20 million people watching game one of the NBA Finals. NBA Finals were tape delayed. The league couldn't get out of its own way. The league was so coked up that the league couldn't get out of its own way. And then you got Magic and Bird and the influence of those two guys. And obviously, you know, the rise of the Celtics, the rise of the Lakers, two of the storied franchises in NBA in NBA history. And voila, a rivalry and, you know, the 1980s and the glory. You know, Isaiah and, you know, Jordan and Bird and Magic and Kareem and Dominique and everybody in between that, you know, the great the great decade of the 80s comes along and, you know, changes the the NBA. But it's just kind of funny to watch NBA basketball from the mid. I mean, I think this was like, what, 75, 76, maybe like 76 or something like that. When that when this series between uh, Portland and uh, the Sixers took place like mid, mid-70s, mid just kind of funny to watch what, what NBA basketball looks like uh, over that uh, that period of time. And obviously, you know, we have the draft a week from Thursday. So the NBA draft coming up a week from Thursday. More than the draft, I'm just ready to get to the offseason. I'm just ready to get to the offseason and see what the Atlanta Hawks are going to do. All right, let's head out to the WadeFord.com hotline. Let's talk to the midday host for 92.5, the Altitude and uh, he is the in-game host for the uh, Denver Nuggets a radio broadcast. Josh Dover is joining us. You can follow Josh on his personal Twitter page, at Joshua Dover. Josh, really pretty, pretty appreciate excuse me, a few minutes uh, in Atlanta tonight. Thanks for being a part of the show. Yeah, appreciate you guys having me. Good to be here. You know, I'm, I'm curious as to where the Nuggets rank. And I know, obviously, winning an NBA title changes probably things up a little bit. But where would you put the Nuggets in a ranking of – you know, Broncos, Avalanche, Rockies, Nuggets. I mean, where where do they kind of fall, and, and, and where is Denver as far as an NBA town goes? Uh, I mean, well, right now, right high, obviously, yeah. with what happened last night. I mean, Aaron Gordon walked home from the arena uh, <laughs> and had an escort of about two, two 3,000 fans with him. But, uh, you know, it's a Broncos town still. It's still a football town, but it's, it's a little weird because they suck, right, for the last seven <laughs> years. And, uh, you know, it's a TBD with Russell Wilson, who was awful last year. Can Sean Payton fix him? And it's also a new coach who's doing it a little different. Like, Sean Payton uh, is really keeping media tight, not letting a lot of guys do things, uh, nipping reporting, live reporting in the bud uh, as far as off-season training, off training activities go. 
but it is still a Broncos town. But right now, uh, it would be obviously Nuggets. But Broncos, the Nuggets, because they're the most recent champions. But I mean, what the Avalanche were able to do uh, last season, and they still believe they're in a championship window. They're they're kind of right there, tied with the Nuggets as well. Josh, you know, when you look at Joker, you know, my producer and I have talked about the idea that I think he's the most unguardable guy in the NBA. I just I, I don't think anybody really matches up with him. Let me kind of ask it in in a couple of different parts. First, let me ask, was there any team in the league that you thought did a really good job on Joker that, you know, no matter, I don't care, West, East, whatever, do you think there was a team that did a really good job in containing him and, and maybe getting him out of what he could do offensively? Uh, I mean, Phoenix and those two games in Phoenix were, were able to slow him down a little bit. Or I mean, it's weird to say slow him down because one of those he dropped 53 and they lost, but that's kind of what people look at him and go, well, let's let him score and slow down a Jamal, slow right. down an Aaron Gordon or MPJ if they got it going. Um, but he's so good at making in-game adjustments, like real-time adjustments, that it, whatever you throw at him, if you do it two or three times in a row, he's going to find what works against it. Uh, and he's so unselfish and willing to play the right brand of basketball because that's what he always tells us. This is how he grew up playing. The, you know, the best shot is the open shot, and it doesn't matter who's taking it. And he, he said just a couple weeks ago, open teammates win games. And that's you know how he plays the game. So even if you're able to slow him down a little bit, it, it's literally a matter of possession before he figures it out. You know, Josh, and the funny thing is, we saw multiple times over the playoffs, and my producer and I kind of commented about this, that you would see multiple times in the playoff that he would not score right away. Like, it, it, it was a matter of he was getting a whole bunch of assists, and, and you would see, like, his first quarter numbers, and he would have, like, zero points, seven assists, ten rebounds, and something, you know what I mean? Like, something ridiculous. And it wasn't because he couldn't score or he couldn't get in a rhythm offensively. It was almost like that was, I guess, premeditated in a way where he could set other people up, get in the flow of the game, get other people, especially Murray, in the flow of a game. And then it was that switch. You know, we joked about Ivan Drago, like when, when the when the ring uh, uh, ring guy, you know, yells to Drago, and then all of a sudden he just breaks out of it and he just goes on an offensive tear. That's how it felt like with Joker at times in these playoffs. Yeah, yeah. Actually, I was going to bring up boxing. It's like the, the sweet science, right? Like he's going to throw a couple of body punches in the first quarter, maybe a hook or two in the second quarter, and then really go to work on you in that third and fourth. So it, it's, it's a little bit of that, of him setting up what he thinks the game's going to give and be later on in the game. And then, as I mentioned, he just does what the game comes to him. Nothing is forced. Uh, I mean, it's the joke of, you know, he can't jump on up onto a curb, but he's dominating a basketball game in the year 2023. So it, it is kind of that him setting it up, kind of going with the flow of the game and uh, knowing that, Hey, when it comes down to the fourth quarter, he likes his chances with the basketball or Jamal Murray with the basketball and finding him on a pick and roll or a little dribble handoff. Josh Dover joining us here on the waitforit.com hotline midday host for the altitude also in-game host for the Nuggets Radio Network. You know, Jamal Murray, obviously, was a big piece in, in all of this. How important was he, not just in the playoffs, but all season long? Obviously, 
you know, he'd been dealing with injuries over the last couple of years, but certainly everything kind of came together for him. And he was another guy that really kind of showed out in the playoff, in, in the entirety of the playoffs that, again, it wasn't just a one-man team. Murray was a real key piece to this thing. Yeah, I think that's what a lot of us have never talked about a lot with Jamal, missing uh, the time that he did and then wondering if he's going to be that same version or even better because that's what he is. He's actually better than what he was pre-injury because, you know, Nicole's not going to be able to do it himself. Uh, Aaron Gordon, MPJ are kind of a nice combo of the third option if one of them got it going, but they don't really rely on Aaron Gordon to do a lot uh, offensively. So, yeah, they Nicole is the best player. But Jamal is like kind of the heart and the soul, you know, because Nicole is not a big talker. He's elevated that a little bit up to here the last probably two seasons. But Jamal's a, a guy that, you know, if he's got it going, if he's playing with that passion and fire, it seems like everybody else kind of follows suit. So, yeah, Nicole is the best player for sure. But Jamal's kind of the heart that makes the team go. So what's kind of the future for this team? I mean, you know, we're looking at, you know, I, we're looking here in Atlanta and, you know, it's it's kind of a, a lot of change we expect big changes in this roster um you know we don't really know who's going to stay or who goes I mean you know Trey Young obviously is probably the guy that stays but I think everybody else is available for the right mm-hmm. deal but when you look at the Nuggets I mean obviously you know Joker's got the super max he's not going anywhere anytime soon but but how how does this team look moving forward can this be an extended run do you think that this is maybe a one or two year thing or you know, what's your assessment of what the long-term outlook is for this franchise? Well, I think for right now, the biggest question mark is Bruce Brown, who's got a player option. And I, I think off the top of my head, it's only like $6 million bucks. I, I may be wrong on that number, but um, that's the biggest priority because he was a key piece, not only through the playoffs, but all season long uh, when they were kind of easing Jamal back into stuff, not playing back-to-backs early on. He could be a point guard, but he can also guard a center if another opponent's playing small ball. So, that's the biggest priority. Uh, other than that, they, they look really good, honestly. Uh, you're going to have KCP. You'll, you'll start to talk about his age in two or three seasons from right now. Uh, but what they've done in the draft uh, with Christian Brown, and you saw that on display this year and this playoffs, Peyton Watson is sitting there. Uh, they also got a guy, Colin Gillespie, who's a national champion as well, who's sitting there uh, injured all year. And I would guess He's going to be a two-way player next season because of Jamal, and they'll go find themselves another backup point guard. But, yeah, the biggest question mark is just Bruce Brown. Uh, and outside of that, this thing's kind of locked up here for the next three or four seasons, and they certainly should be able to make another run of these. You know, I'm, I'm curious if this, you know, coming into the playoffs, obviously Joker's been a multi-time MVP, and he's been arguably one of the two or three best players in the entirety of the NBA. But, obviously, you know, this – you know, this was the first finals run that they that they'd really had. Was it a sense of kind of when it was coming into the playoffs this year for Joker and this team? Was it sort of a crap or get off the pot kind of deal? I mean, you know, did, did things kind of feel like that they were going to fall in place? Or, you know, was there some hesitancy in the fan base? Like kind of walk me through a little bit about what the thought process was about this team going into the start of the playoffs. Uh, I think there were a lot of expectations. I don't think there was, a, you know, hot seats by any means or any kind of conversation about a coach's job. Uh, we said a lot of my radio show, Nicole is 28 years old, but they needed to win an NBA championship by the time he was 30, or those conversations would kind of start to happen. But with the, the back-to-back MVPs, it, it felt like a finals appearance, 
needed to happen. Uh, that was kind of the lowest standard. And then obviously, you know, get there. Well, you might as well win it. And once they started playing, I mean, they, they took care of Minnesota pretty easily. Uh, it's uh, Mike Conley shot in the first round from that thing being a sweep. And then in round two, they basically take care of the Suns outside of uh, KD and Devin Booker going berserk in games three and four. And then we know if they did, they'd beat the crap out of the Lakers. Uh, and then even here, it, it's a 4-1. So once they started playing and you could tell everybody was locked in uh, and knew what the, the goal was, yeah, it felt like they were uh, on their way to a championship. Yeah, well, they certainly had the best run in the playoffs, and they certainly won the NBA title and certainly have the best players. So a lot of bests going on in Denver right now <laughs> when it surrounds uh, basketball. Josh Dover joined us here on the WaitFor.com hotline. He is the midday host for the Altitude and uh, in-game host for the Nuggets Radio Network. He's on Twitter, at Joshua Dover. Josh, really appreciate it. A few minutes, uh, buddy. Thanks uh, so much for being in Atlanta with us and, uh, and spending some time here. Yeah, appreciate you guys having me. You got it. When we come back from the top of the hour, we'll get to more here. But um, wouldn't it be fun to, like, talk about NBA titles and all this kind of stuff? I mean, when do we get in that mix? When do we when do we start to get those? Who would ever think that the city of Denver would have multiple teams with multiple? Yeah. I mean, I mean the Super Bowls, the the Avalanche have been yeah. one of the best franchises the in Nuggets. hockey. Now the Nuggets win. Yeah. Denver, Denver, like Denver, <laughs> not, not not Atlanta, Denver. Supposedly it's a beautiful town. It is. My wife's from Denver. We'll talk about it. that next. Chuck in the Key Studios, Sports Radio, not to the game. Honestly, back on that. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Oh, oh, oh. O'Reilly. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.